we are like a three-headed dragon where we have leaders on our team that step up. And that's the great thing about hiring superstars is that they take the initiative without you having to ask for it, okay. right? Mic check. I'm good. Mic check. Mic check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. What's going on, everyone that is listening to this podcast here in the Online Hustlers Podcast where we are taking you superstars and very qualified consultants, coaches, or people that just experts or specialize in certain things uh, into the real estate space. And we bring you uh, them here in this podcast so that we can dive deep into some of the nuggets that they have to share. A few of the episodes uh, previously, they've done uh, wholesaling, real estate investing, building teams, or ultimately scaling or doing creative financing. There's a lot of different topics that you can go back and it only takes about one minute to give us a review. If you liked it, then um, just tell us something good. And if you also actually liked it, just share this away with your circle or community or someone that, that may need to hear this. So we're going to start with this episode. And this episode is kind of the first time that we bring something up like this in terms of the topic itself of hiring, recruiting, the, the entire process for sales professionals, and most importantly, acquisition managers, which are closers in the real estate investing and wholesaling space. So I have a, a special guest today, and his name is Jace. What's up, Jace? <laughs> hey, that's one. Good to be here. Hey, man. I'm excited for you to be here because... Um, we usually bring in uh, real estate experts, wholesalers, mm -hmm. people that you know have built companies and stuff like that. But you have a specialized knowledge and a specialized skill set with the company that you've done. Um, so just for everyone to know, like, what do you, what do you, what do you do, and like, where you come from? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know that you do a recruiting and you you mm -hmm. help people, especially with appointment setters or lead managers and. Uh, closers and within the North America, uh, within North America, US, Canada. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, like who were you before this? Yeah. Uh, so basically, I, you know, I'm an immigrant just like yourself. Came here uh, when I was like about three and a half, four years old. Father uh, on his end always worked, uh, you know, 24 hours a day to keep a whole family of six. Right. And uh, as I got older, uh, you know, I played sports. So what ended up happening was, is that when I finally went out to college to play uh, baseball uh, and that dream got cut short, uh, I went into sales, right? I went from selling cars, vacations, healthcare, medical devices, right? And basically from that experience, uh, my last job was working for a top-notch sales training expert, uh, part of the 10X community, right? So with that being said, once I left there, I kind of felt that I already had everything I needed to go off on my own. 
Uh, I didn't know where I was going to land. I didn't have something set up. I just ended up taking the jump. And thankfully, you know, two and a half years later, that jump was well worth it. So now what we do is we specialize in recruiting top sales talent. It kind of over the years evolved into more because we place managers, operations managers, whether if it's inside the US or Canada, obviously in other countries as well, but primarily focus is inside the US. And we've created a filtering process inside of our recruiting that allows us to identify what a superstar looks like. Mm. So uh, it's been a quite it's been quite a ride, but honestly, I love what I do. Uh, since as a kid, it's kind of been one of those things where like I know exactly what a superstar looks like. And funny enough, I've kind of already had that skill as a kid where I was like, I'm always always a matchmaker. Yeah. So to me, I love everything I do every day. I don't consider it a job. And every day to me flies by like I'm living out my passion right now. So it's really a blessing. Love that. So are you passionate about doing the sales recruiting process? One thousand, one thousand percent. Because keep in mind, anywhere I've ever went to, I was a top producer. I generated millions of dollars for a company. So being able now to multiply myself into an organization by putting a piece of me into that business and seeing that growth, you know, our clients speak for themselves. If you go ahead and search me up on Google, you're going to see we have over like fifty plus five-star Google reviews. What, what type of clients have you been able to help so far? So we have a wide spectrum. Like uh, I think I mentioned to you earlier, we just finished uh, on our end placing a top producer for a doctor inside here in Miami, who the first person we placed there with only took us seven days, already generated over three plus sales in her first week. This guy's programs are like 20K plus minimum, right? So him on his end, he was ecstatic to see that. But healthcare, again, is one of them. We're not really niched down to an industry because I personally believe that when it comes to sales, there's sales talent across different industries. And we found a great way to be able to filter for that particular sales talent and what their needs, what they look like, and ultimately just being able to dive into the roots of what makes a superstar versus an average player. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that and like how you're doing the entire process, uh, how you essentially help your clients. Because it, I've I've noticed that it's it's kind of like having a conveyor conveyor belt of mm -hmm. lead generation and and qualification and sales. Kind of like having an agency, but just specifically to find top notch talent. So you were able to to really focus on that. You essentially have a, a firm uh, recruitment agency that specializes in one skill set that is highly valuable. So I'm going to dive into it a yeah. little bit later. First of all, I want to ask you a few things, a bit more personal, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Um, so right now, you're how long you've been in the in the industry for? About less than 27 months. 27 months. Okay. And how many? How many sales closers and appointment setters do you have in your current pipeline? Or right now in the pipeline, uh, last time I checked, which was yesterday, we're like almost at seventy thousand. Seventy thousand, and um, and how many how many clients have you have you helped? In the last, I would say we normally bring on, yeah, at least over three hundred. Over three hundred. Okay, yeah. great. So what are five things, if you were to think about five things that you're currently working on that is going to help yourself, clients, or just five things that you're currently working on, you can, you can if you don't have that in mind, but three to five things that you're currently working on that it's going to propose to you in the future, your company and your clients um, that you're really excited about. 
Yeah, so we're we're going to be launching a B2C product very soon. And that B2C product is not just going to be for B2C, but we're also going to plan to sell it to B2B and to enterprise. So obviously, you can't say too much about that because we're in the process of building all that out. But that's right there in itself, a great opportunity for not just the candidate, but also the clients that we're going to be serving. Second thing is we're going to be taking the business in a SaaS route, and we know exactly how we're going to do that. And the opportunity is really there when you're in the recruiting space and you're working with so many pool of great qualified candidates. We just want to get them a job faster, right? Especially what happened recently with all those layoffs back in, what was it, in Q4 and Q1, we saw massive layoffs. A lot of those uh, people that were affected ended up coming to us. So we're trying to figure out a way to always make the system better. You know, I have a great team right now where most of the time we're always asking ourselves two valid questions, which is how can we fulfill faster and how can we make sure that the candidate that we place inside the organization it's an A player because as you may already know, an A player inside an organization will be the one that generates millions of dollars. The wrong player for the organization will cost them a million dollars. So it's always trying to re refine that process to perfection. Love it. So, um, and uh, okay, so you share a few things. Essentially, how does how does recruitment for a specific skill set such as sales essentially work from like the very beginning, what do you look for? So I think it's a little bit different for me than it, what it is for most recruiters that are out there. I think I could speak from not just experience as well, but being able to look at both levels of the playing field. So being able to be a salesperson for over 10 plus years, I, I felt like it gave me that competitive advantage because not only do I know what a, a player looks like, but I know exactly where they hang out. I know exactly what makes them tick. And it kind of makes me as a specialist because I lived, breathe, and eat it for a decade, right? So when it comes to that process, I take a lot of my personal experience into play in order for me to go out and find that person. And most of the problems that I see in this industry as a whole is that you have recruiters that will specialize in something, right? But an example, I've never on my end spoken to a lot of recruiters that actually done sales for at least a decade, let alone work for one of the top sales training organizations, right? You rarely find that. Mm -hmm. So being able to not just go to work for one of these top organizations, but also live, breathe, and eat it, and then go ahead and match that perfect candidate with the right opportunity, that gives me the competitive edge than most. Yeah. So personally, since you've been in the game for a long time now and doing sales, you work at a 10X, uh, 10X group and everything. So when you're looking to start finding someone that could potentially be qualified for your client's role, where do you start? How do you start? So one of the biggest mistakes that I see oftentimes when we're working with clients is that they don't necessarily have a refined job description. Okay. As simple as that is, right? Let's just start right then and there because yeah. that's the first part of the process is outlining that you have a compelling job description that when someone reads it, they're like, wow, I want to go work for that, right? Oh, that looks like it's something I could go ahead and wrap my head around and work there, right? Yeah. Most of the times, what do we see? We see outdated job descriptions from the 50s that basically are just outlining everything. And the biggest problem I see with a lot of these companies is that they're not transparent with everything they're looking for. I'll give you an idea. Let's say 
you're withholding information from what you're looking for. And you're telling me, Jace, I want this person. And you tell me everything, but you leave out maybe just a few things. And those few things end up being 80% of the reason why the right candidate will apply and the wrong candidate won't, right? What will be an example? Compensation. Let's just talk about compensation, right? That's one. That alone, when you're looking to find top talent and you go ahead and we've already tested this out. So we already know that if you go ahead and put in the wrong compensation in there, you're going to attract a lot of dreamers. If you attract, if you put in the right information in there, you're going to attract the right driven results that you're looking for out of those sales talent superstars. How would you put a compensation in the job description? I would not have them put anything over ten thousand okay. on compensation. If you go, if you put it in there, I promise you. Here's and here's the sad truth: a lot of these candidates they don't read. Mm-hmm. You know how many times we outline everything in the job description and they don't read? They just happen not to read it. And that's going to happen. It makes your life easier to disqualify people, right? Yeah. Another thing is, is that when you're putting that job description out there, is that you really need to have a refined process when it comes to recruiting. What do a lot of organizations do? They get someone in HR. They get someone that's in that position and says, hey, you're going to help me through the recruiting process, right? But they don't necessarily have battle tested that process. And because they haven't battle tested that process, all of a sudden, they're wondering why they're not attracting the right candidates. Next thing you know, three months, four months, six months go by and they're still in stuck in square one, right? I spoke to an organization about four weeks ago. They had a salesperson in there as an SDR that was with the organization. And guess how many apartments she was averaging every month for the business? You tell me. Two. Two? Two. Wow, Wow, that's nothing. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty pathetic, right? (laughs) And sadly, I, I I told the guy, I told the owner and I said, listen, with all respect, you have her in the wrong position. A person that is a C player at best will generate you more appointments than that in that role. You need to have that person removed before you decide to go in separate ways because it that right person, that right there is costing you. And his ticket sizes were about 12 to about 20,000. Mm-hmm. The average person there already is costing you about 500,000 a year. Yeah. So I told him, listen, find another position for her. She's not cut out for that role. We'll find some of you that will. It's going to take X amount of time. Another thing is that most times you have company or organizations that have unrealistic expectations. You'll create the list of what you're looking for. You'll create the compensation, right? I'll I'll track everything. But sometimes another mistake is that you'll put too much in that list. Mm -hmm. And then we'll realize that that list that you just created could be divided between two people because it's two different roles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have people saying, oh, I'm looking for a unicorn. If you're looking for a unicorn, I would love to know exactly what is it that you're outlining because I'm in the business of finding unicorns. Mm-hmm. And I've never been able to not find one. So if you're coming to me and you're saying, hey, here are all the things I'm looking for, I'm going to cross out all the things that I know are going to be completely irrelevant and are going to be two different roles. And that would, and that's what tends to happen quite a bit as well. Yeah. Do, you, do you put something to motivate them other than money in the job description? 100%. So you have to understand that if you want to attract the right talent, the money is what's going to bring them. But the culture, it's what's going to keep them there for the long haul. Is is it more important um, like in, in the beginning stages of the recruiting process or when the interview happens? So it depends, right? But here's the thing. At the very beginning, it's going to be the money. And then for the case, as it goes down 
It's going to be the culture. As the person's been there past three months and they've passed that probation period, they need to provide great culture. To give an example, I was once working for a healthcare company that the salary was pretty high. Compensation was probably the worst in the business. However, their culture was amazing and people did not care. They would stay in there years because the culture was amazing. You could go ahead and play ping pong during your break. They had a pool table. They had a, they had a snack bar. They had a, they had a whole, you know, they had a whole bar in there, right? Yeah. And people just genuinely loved being there because the, they had someone that was dedicated to building that culture. Think of it like when you go on a cruise, right? If anybody has ever been on a cruise before, what do they have? They have a dedicated host that is focused on making sure that you have the most amazing time on that cruise. Mm. It's the same thing when it comes to business. Eventually, as you grow the organization, have someone that's dedicated to growing the culture because that is what's going to keep the rock stars in your business. Okay. That's what's going to have them beneath their chest. So uh, if, if I were to start, so if someone were to start doing the uh, recruiting process, or let's say you, are you are you putting the salary as a hook, but then making sure that whatever happens after that, the cultures, the culture and the consistency of how much they're gonna be making, like whatever on track earnings they're gonna have, is consistent enough so that they, when they this sales professionals closers do an interview, they decide, hey, that's a company I want to work on. Like right now, are you hooking people to? Bring you bring them to your pipeline with a solid job description and a solid um, just earning potential, and then being hired by culture or how's that working? It's a it's a great question. So we could dangle the carrot in front of the horse as long as we can, but eventually the horse is going to eat the carrot, yeah. right? And basically the same thing is with the sales rep. We could dangle that salary that compensation in front of them for so long, but eventually it's going to eat it. It's going to get tired of it, right? Yeah. So what we always educate all of the clients we work with is to outline basically all the soft skills you want. And what reality, what they're really doing is that where all they're doing is that they're just telling us exactly who they are. And that's the thing when it comes to recruiting is it's not a cookie cutter. You could cookie cut some of the process, but then what you need to do is that you need to go ahead and outline yourself and by outlining yourself on what you're looking for and what you want you're outlining exactly the perfect ideal candidate and that could be from you know uh background accomplishments soft skills right it could be almost everything and we want to extract all that information from you like you know the reason why you started the business how long you've been in business why would someone come work for you Tell us some of your best memories of like what you've accomplished in the time you've been in business, because all we want to do is extract that information to create the perfect client avatar. So then we could go ahead and create the perfect candidate avatar for the client. Yeah, 100%. Look, man, uh, you have, I don't know, how, how big is your team right now? Uh, right now, we have a team right under 10 people. I've hired you like a few different a few different individuals. They're pretty great. And uh, you're able to find them pretty quickly. Um, so it takes, and I know it takes a lot of work because yeah. I tried recruiting for sales before because uh, I wanted to do it myself as a business owner. I wanted to try everything myself. And then I, I just basically didn't give up. I just, it was just too much of a work, of yeah. a hassle. Uh, 
screening candidates, posting, you know, posting job in job boards and things like that. Uh, maybe running ads somewhere. Uh, it was just too much. But if you were to walk us through like a very solid, and this is where we dive into the nuggets, into a very into your very solid recruitment process, um, or or, or th that just one thing or few things that you do from the very beginning to start bringing in the attention of A players. What is it that you do it differently mm. to others to make sure that you're finding someone quickly or someone qualified sees your post quickly and then you go through some sort of screening qualification? Walk us through that thing. Yeah, so first and foremost, I have to thank my team because every one of them is coachable. And the thing that I personally, that sets us apart is that we train three times a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we train. And if we're onboarding you and you're a new hire, you're getting training every single day. And this is where I feel like my experience plays a role in this, right? Because we're kind of doing tr sales training as a recruitment company, but we're doing the sales training primarily on how to interview, where to go ahead and find these candidates, how to build your brand. See, the reason why majority of businesses fail when it comes to finding top talent is because a lot of them are not focused on brand awareness, where we are focused our energy on that 100% of the time every single month. Because we know that this is a three-sided coin between the client that we're serving, the candidate, and with us. And we need to make sure that we have great consistency across the board. So when it comes to finding that person that's out there, we keep pushing the brand as much as possible because eventually what's going to happen is that Jay's Great Consulting, everyone will recognize it the same way they recognize as the 10X community. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned over time. So when it comes to that, that recruiting process, we go ahead and not just train the recruiters on how to screen the calls, but we also go ahead and we encourage them to be creative on where they hang out. And there's no right, there's no wrong way where they're hanging out. We specifically on our end go out and headhunt for these roles. We curate the database constantly because we have someone that's focused on it night and day. And it's the same thing for any business, right? Where are you getting most of your clients? You focus on it. Well, we focus on both clients and candidates 24-7 because we have a brand that needs to be uplifted until we get to the point where everybody can recognize us. But when it comes to the whole recruiting process, you have to go ahead and be able to recruit as if you were recruiting another version of yourself. But then when it gets to the technical skills, and this is kind of the way where for me, this is how I've been able to classify it, right? So the first thing I do is that I, you know, we want to get a company culture. So I'll create a C quadrant. Right. And we'll be like, okay, what is the company culture? What are they looking for? What is, you know, what are their wants? What are their needs? What is everything they want this person to come with? So consider that quadrant, the quadrant C for culture, right? Mm -hmm. Then we're going to go into quadrant S, where the S is the skills. What are the skills that they need to go in and have to know in order to excel at this role? Right. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to create quadrant E. That's going to be the experience. Okay. And then I'm going to create quadrant L. Can they be a potential leader, right? So we have the C, we have the S, we have the E, and we have the L. And then what we do is re-rate them from one to five on each quadrant. And then we get the medium. And internally, that creates a scoreboard for us. 
So being able to then identify all these things. And again, this is why I tell our, all the clients we serve, hey, you know, one of my core values as a company is transparency. My dad, military, always told me, hey, speak direct, be transparent. And I ask the same thing out of the clients we serve because the more direct they are with us, the, the it becomes simpler for us to find that person. Because what happens is, is that if you leave out any information, any information, we're looking at a 30-day delay from the moment we start because we're going to be looking for the wrong clients. I mean, the wrong candidates. They're going to be coming in wrong. Anytime we change the position, expect another 30-day delay. So what tends to happen is that I don't blame the business owners and I don't blame the businesses. But when you don't have a clear outline of what you're looking for, we need to assess and we need to consult with them on exactly what are the non-negotiables. Like I did this exercise with a business owner about a few weeks ago where I said, hey, you're looking for this role. Tell me exactly what you need this role to come with. And then out of everything you want this person to come with, give me six non-negotiables that you know that will make an immediate impact in your business if you were to go ahead and place them inside. And if for whatever the case is, you have more than six, then all everything underneath that, it's not relative to right now, or it could be in a different role. So you need to do that. And then once we start that process, it becomes easy. But the most important thing is, is that when clients come to us and they're basically telling us what we want, we're not those type of people that are just going to pretty much say yes to everything. For example, there was a uh, potential client that we wanted to work with us, but I just told him, hey, it's not a good fit because you're giving me unrealistic expectations of what you want. And the recruiting process, you know, it takes hundreds of hours a week. I'm not kidding. The candidates that screen that we screen through, on average, we spend north of about a couple hundred hours, couple hundred hours in just a couple and a half to three weeks of filtering in order to find these people. You're making sure that you're speaking with these candidates way prior to that, to the to a client uh, telling you, "Hey, I want to pay you." It goes both ways. So yes, we do that. But also when we do bring on board a client, we're obviously going to leverage our existing database. But most importantly, we're also going to go out and still find this person. So we are constantly nurturing two different databases at all times in order for us to get the best possible results for the clients. So when you say nurturing, what do you mean by by that? Do you have like a like, do you touch base with them? Do you have like a training center? Do you have like somewhere where they actually feel like, hey, Jace is there with me? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, most of what we're doing is constantly touching that point. So, we're going to be contacting them, emailing them, letting them know about the job. Uh, the moment they come into our database, they can rely on us to constantly go ahead and flood them with job opportunities. And again, that's kind of where I'm looking to go ahead and create more of a SaaS product that could fulfill and automate a lot faster because there's a lot of candidates right now that are got laid off in the past Q4 and Q1. And we want to fulfill that roles as faster as before, right? We just finished working with someone that we placed within seven days a location, right? And that's because he gave us a clear outline of everything he was looking for. And the person, again, already did like, what, three to four sales in the first week. So it's always important to not just always nurture both the nurture of the existing talent pool and obviously start the headhunting prize for a new one. But again, I dive deep into brand awareness because eventually the bigger the brand is, the more you're going to track, right? If you start thinking about some of the top recruiting companies out there, right? We want to establish ourselves as one of those prominent ones. Yeah. So I've noticed you uh, in LinkedIn and I've noticed you, you know, just doing a, a few different great blogs and, and posts and things like articles and things like that. Are those directly 
for your clients or for the candidates or for both? Like, because yeah. you talk about brand awareness. Yeah. So the great thing about what we do, we are like a three-headed dragon where we have leaders on our team that step up. And that's the great thing about hiring superstars is that they take the initiative without you having to ask for it, okay. right? So thankfully, I've been in a very lucky position where I could focus 100% of my energy on that client acquisition side, where we're focusing primarily on giving back to those who are thinking about working with us. And we already have the, those leaders inside our organization that could focus primarily on the candidates as yeah. well. At first, it wasn't like that, right? We had to focus first on the candidates, but as we started growing, I started going ahead and positioning myself in that sort of way as my team started growing and growing. Yeah. At what point do you feel like, oh, you need to can't really go back to the or to the pool of candidates that you have because maybe it's taking too long and then I have to like create a new job post, a new ad and so on. Cause maybe we don't have the right qualified person here in this pool that we have. Like I now have to look for new individuals. Like why does that happen? Like when does that happen that you have to actually look or, or do you always have it part of your process? Yeah, so part of our process is always going to be to always keep nurturing the database that we have and obviously go out and hunt for those. Because at the end of the day, even though the nurturing database, maybe some in there could have already found jobs and that's perfectly fine as well. But it, it doesn't mean that there's people there that are not looking. And most importantly, here's the thing where people get this all wrong. Even if right now, like say, for example, you're looking for someone that's a superstar, chances are that person's working a job right now. Yeah. So even if they already got a job, it's not going to stop them from taking a better job. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to be doing both. Yeah. And so if they're having a job, how would you market to them or email them or message them saying that there is a better, bigger opportunity? Well, this is the most crucial part because this is where you have to understand that relationship it goes a long way. The relationship that you build with these candidates go a long way. If you build a solid you know, relationship with these candidates, then you're in a great position because they're always going to trust you. You know, There's times where we have candidates that come to us and they tell us how awful the company organization that we place them with. And again, we don't know how it's going to turn out, right? But sometimes you get that maybe 5% that does happen. And it's they tell us, they tell us hey, Jace, listen, we know you have no, you know, you have no control over that and it's perfectly fine. We still want to work with you in the future. Just let us know if something else opens up. Right. And it's always important when I said it from the beginning, it's like, it's a three, it's a three-sided coin, right? It's three relationships that we're juggling here, the client, the candidate and ours. And you need to make sure at all times, all of those, those three, you're lifting them up one step at a time because any sort of negative, like, like say, for example, worst case scenario, I get a negative review inside your organization. It could be any organization. You get a negative review on Glassdoor. You're going to see candidates that are going to be looking at those reviews and they're going to be deciding not to work with you because of that. And that happens. And that's why brand awareness plays a critical role when it comes to hiring. Because you constantly have to keep finding that grind of, well, if I if anything goes against what we're doing, well, it's you're going to you're going to feel it. And that's why you have to be on top of everything. Okay. Uh so right now, uh, you have a team that will nurture the relationship with your candidates. And, and you, you obviously are doing the nurturing relationship with your sales team of your clients, right? But if you were to, you know, say, what are the biggest things that you currently do whenever you're choosing someone that intends the list? Like, I know that you can take such a 
such a fast approach by maybe having a specific quadrants like you were talking about and like ultimately see that person that could potentially be a fit for your for your for your client but like how do you make sure that the process of when you once you get a client and you want and and now you got to find a candidate uh that that person is the right individual and you're not wasting the client's time that you're not having to go through like other rounds of interviews like what happened in this screening process and like how do you do this screening process and how do you how do you ensure that that you have the right information in there to make a decision so he, the thing again and this is why i credit a lot of the the sales background that comes back to this because yeah. this right here is probably the most critical part of the process right how do we make sure that the person that we place is the person who could actually walk the talk right yeah. here's the thing you're never really going to be 100% certain if this person is. But what you can do is you can outline a process that you could kind of, in a way, tailor it to your specific needs. So something that we do on our end is that part of our, like, say, three-step interview process is that, one, you know, we get the candidate to relax and tell us everything about themselves, right? And then step two, we're going to probe them. And the probing, this is where it really... I would say we identify if this person could be a superstar or a B player or a C player. And really in that probing, what we're looking for is, again, we're looking for background. We're looking for accomplishments. We're looking for emotional intelligence. And then we're also looking for as well, which is soft skills. Yeah. And then here's the best part. Once you've done the probing, the last step is attacking. And where they answer everything amazing and you crumble them on that last step of attacking, then we know this person was never going to be the right fit. No matter how good they sound. What are they, curveball questions? You could say that, but let's just say they get, let, let's just say they get through step one and step two. Yeah. Right. And everything sounds great. They got through everything. And step three is attack, right? Uh, you know, something that we do is we'll go ahead and we'll tell the candidates and, you know, pretend with me, you're the, uh, the candidate, right, Esteban? Yep. And I say, hey, Esteban, you know what? Every, you know, uh, to be realistic with you, I'm, I'm looking for a superstar. Yep. And, you know, given the circumstances of the business and the industry that we're in, I don't think that you may be that person right now. And, you know, truth be told, I don't know if, you know, you, you're cut out for this. So you're giving me an objection. So I have to now handle the objection as a closer. Okay. Right. What what do most people do in those sort of scenarios? They would be like, what do you mean? Why? Whatever. Like the people that are not really sales closers, right? Those that are not, what's going to happen to them is they're going to crumble. Right. They're going to take it. They're going to eat it. And they're going to go. Yeah. And those are the ones you just let them go. Those who are superstars. And again, this is where ambition and ego drives into it. You want somebody that has ego. You want somebody that's ambition because that person that says, well, how come, you know, I, I know I could generate you over a million dollars for your organization. And it seems like to me, you need me more than I need you. So I'm just curious to hear why. The one who's able to do that, not to take their shit, is the one that will then seek out that you will want to hire. Yeah, That's how you do it. And I feel like, I feel like that question 
needs to be put in a specific time so it doesn't do 100% a, a different effect 100% if the the point of the process is that you get them to relax you probe them for the background the accomplishments the 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 EQ and then the soft skills and then at the very end you do not you you ask that question in a certain way and you make sure that they don't start you don't give them the reason why because if you give them the reason why they're going to start selling and you don't want them to start selling. You want there to be a pause so then you could really articulate how they respond to it. Now, what, what, at what point of the screening process do you do this? Do you do this in the first calls, the last calls? You make your clients do this type of questioning? Yeah, it's a great question. We don't necessarily do this with, we don't share this with the clients. We do all this work before we share it to the clients. So we'll screen them. You know, get the videos. We'll go ahead and go through the resumes, outline everything that we like. Then we'll go ahead and on that phone screening, that's where we go ahead and we unleash those that three-step interview. Yeah. You don't do currently like group interview or something? I know a lot of people do. That. I, a lot of people do group interviews, but we've identified for us the system that we created. And again, this is the, the thing about recruiting. There's recruiting companies out there that have it their own way. And... If there's anything I've identified after talking to literally hundreds of recruiting companies, there's no right or wrong way mm -hmm. to doing it. It's whichever way works best and you run with it. Yeah. And for us, we've figured out that for us, those interviews for us are better for us the way we do it than anything else. One-on-ones. Yeah. One-on-ones. Yeah. Yeah. Better. yeah. Yeah. It, it, it may take a lot more phone calls and you, you know you definitely have to have a team that's always like doing those phone calls. And if you have a lot of influx, it might take a lot of work. Uh, but I think it's, it's way, way more impactful, right? Like, uh, I, I feel like sometimes you, you, you kind of miss out on individuals that don't really want to be part of a group call or don't shine in a group call. They get shy. That's get, listen. Yeah. I've done I've done in uh face interviews, uh like face to face interviews, and nine times out of ten, anytime I shake someone's hand, it's pulsating with sweat. Yeah. So I can imagine what it's like for them to be in a group interview. Yeah. So it's for us like nothing wrong with it. I just know that the way we have it set up just ends up working very well for us. And yeah. and that's the most important thing is whatever works best for you in the recruiting process, and that's the most important thing. Keep doing it. Because then if it outlines great results, then that's perfect. That's all you need. But don't you think that you're um, looking for a sales candidate, whether it's a setter or, or, or closer, at the same time, you don't, don't you want confidence in them? Don't you want them to not feel shy or nervous? Well, that's the most important thing, right? When I, we were talking earlier about the process, about the three-step process, step two that goes into the soft skills, confidence is one of them, right? confidence, stress tolerance, being able to be a strategic thinker. You want to see all those things and you want them to rate themselves. And you're going to find those who have, you know, that will be called the dreamers that will go ahead and give themselves the most outlandish results out of all, everything. And that's fine. And that's why you hit them with the attack. Yeah. Because if you hit them with the attack, we'll find right then and there. Mm -hmm. And if even if they pass it, let's go ahead and hire them. And let's give them three to seven days in the business and let's see how they actually respond. Let's see how they respond to adversity. 
And that's when you're going to be able to tell. Again, the thing about sales, like anything else, there's a high churn rate, right? There's no way around that. But how do you combat high churn rate? Well, higher in groups, higher in pairs, higher more than one. Because if one person ends up leaving for the organization, well, you still have someone there. We tell this to every single one of our clients is don't take one person, take two or three, because chances are one will quit and, yeah. it, and it's normal. And once once they're, they go through the grace period, if only one worked, well, at least you had two to start with. But if both worked, then that's better. Like, yeah, you're going to have more sales. Now you're just going to ramp up the lead gen, right? Exactly. So, it, it, you know, there's obviously two sides to that. But at the end of the day, it looks like everybody's winning. Everybody's making money. Now you could grow the business a little faster than you anticipated. And that's the great thing about when hard work meets preparation. You get a little lucky, right? And that's right there. It ends up being that little luck. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good tip that you give to your clients. Now, when you're starting to hand off candidates, what are the, what are the biggest mistakes that your clients are currently doing in the interview process or whatever it is that they have to do in their end? Uh, so, so it doesn't work out. Like it's just, it's just, it's just bad. Like, mm. yeah. So, um, there's really two sides to this because once we hand off the, the, uh, candidate to the client for them to interview, we kind of, in a way onboard them on what are the, uh, typical sort of interview process that you, they want to go through. So we kind of educate them yeah. on what they should be outlined, you know, what, on uh, the outline of what they should be doing okay. and what what I normally see end up being a lot of mistakes is that those who end up not having a thorough process. So, you know, I'll tell you, Hey, if you're bringing someone on that does sales, you know, what you want to do is have at least two or three eyes on them, have another person interview them also test them for skills tests as well. So you could hear how well they perform under, under certain circumstances. And then the last but not least, you know, just get references from them right? Everybody's going to talk their horn out. But at the end of the day, if you create a three-step process and you really don't need anything more than that, then you'll, you'll see, you'll, uh, you'll see right through it. If there's any cracks in between any inconsistencies, you'll be able to get a feel. But the most important thing is like when you're interviewing this person as a client is, does this person fit company culture, right? Number one, two, does this person on their end can pass the skills test, which could be a simple sales uh, role play. And three, it's just the references. We try to educate everybody on this process so we can make sure that it becomes very seamless for them to onboard. And then obviously the last piece of it is once they do onboard them is confirming that they do have a thorough onboarding process. Because when it comes to building a team in general, you need to have both recruiting and onboarding process working for you. If one of those things is missing, well, you're, it's go, the system's going to be broken. So there's a lot of work that goes into recruiting, but there's also a lot of work that goes into onboarding the right person, making sure they're set up for success. Yeah. So what type of clients do you get that you have to dive deeper into like educating them? Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you, you're pretty sure you get people that are more experienced, but how do you control that at the end of the day? Because you have people that never really hire salespeople or have hired in the past but failed uh, or they just got lucky with the referral, don't have any interview process, in any interview or onboarding system, nothing. Uh, but you also have people that are have been in the game for a long period of time, but maybe the things that they've been doing, it's not 100% great. Some people, they do have a great 
process to interview and to onboard. So how do you control that so that the fulfillment of your client is successful whenever whenever you send them the ball? Yeah, so that's why it's important to have a consultation call with us for us to be able to pick point exactly what are the steps that are not being outlined. Because the moment that I start, you know, I, again, I've worked with over hundreds of clients already. So I already know what that process looks like. Yeah. So if I start noticing that there's things in that process where all of a sudden there's things missing, we're going to educate them on, right? And whatever the case is, whatever part of that process, you know, it's a loaded question, but there's, it's not a, it's not a one answer shot that fits everything. It's, we get on a call with them. We're going to identify all the inconsistencies. We're going to point out exactly what needs to be done on there and in order for this to be a success. And again, it goes from someone that's just is getting started hiring their first salesperson, whether if it's all commission or on salary versus someone that's already been in the game building their sales team. You know, I had a call uh, three days ago with a, a company that they've been missing for over 20 plus years. They've only had two salespeople. And the biggest issue they've always had when it comes to hiring is that one, they never had an actual recruiter that knows exactly anything about sales. And that's where kind of I put the spotlight on myself and outline how I could help them because I've already done this. I've already lived it. But again, I speak from experience and that's what also gives me the competitive edge because I know what that outline should look like. I worked in several organizations and I know how thorough those onboarding should be. One of the best onboardings I've ever received from an organization, I went from selling cars to selling vacations. And it was the most uh, night and day, night and day onboarding you could have imagined. They spent two weeks of onboarding me before I got hit the phones. Two weeks of knowing exactly everything I needed to know. And by the time I hit the phones, it was still slow. It took me at least 90 days. And then after that, I was generating the company over 150000 a month consistently. So when it comes to that onboarding process from experience, selling vac cars, no onboarding process, selling vacation, two weeks, selling healthcare, two weeks, there's a process mm -hmm. for it. it takes time. But now, because of the fact a lot of things were being done remote, you, you can actually expedite that process. And I've seen it. You could expedite that process into like seven days. And that to me is great news for the company that wants to see faster results from the from the candidates that they're hiring. Yeah. So if you're able to condense everything within a week and a half, that's really where you want to why, see it. Why why can you expedite it? Like what what's different? Well, the thing is, is that you first have to inaugurate them into the business, teach them everything about the business, have them understand everything about the business, and most of the times, those who are potential A or potential B players. A players are going to pick it up and they're going to run with it within the first four weeks. They'll be running. But B players, they take about 60 to about 80 days to develop. And that's nothing wrong with it. You could have those there that are could be those potential A players. However, it just takes them a little bit more time. And that could just be due to the training that they've received in the past or their experience that they've had from the past. Yeah. And there's no really a way of controlling that, but you can control that onboarding. And if you have a thorough onboarding process and you know exactly what to look for in that candidate, then it becomes seamless to go ahead and bring on. Yeah. So you you provide to your clients uh, some sort of like templated outline or you just based on the consultation call, uh, you kind of give them pointers and things like that. Every, yeah, I wish I could give a cookie cutter, uh, you know, a cookie cutter process for everybody. But unfortunately, it's not going to work that way. It's we outline exactly where, where are the mistakes that they have in that onboarding. And then I let them know how they could go about fixing them and patching them up in order to set them for success with that candidate.
Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, now, why do you think that going into this product route that you mentioned at the beginning of the interview and also the SaaS route will ultimately change the way that you will fulfill and give results to your clients and so on? Yeah, because what we've been able to uncover, and this is the best thing about my team, is that we're always looking to fulfill faster. Yeah. Right. We have like leaders on our team that are always asking the same question. How can we fulfill faster? How can we get client success faster? Right. And we've identified in order for us to go ahead and take that next step as a business, we need to go ahead and get into SaaS. We need to figure out a way to not just fulfill faster, get you know candidates jobs faster, but also set them up for success faster. And that just comes back to me being able to outline like from past experiences anywhere I've worked, right? How long was that process to get a job? How long did it take for me to, to set up for success? When I look at that average time, it was an average of about four to six months from the time I started looking for a job to the time I started applying to, to the moment I started making money. And all I'm thinking about is how can we go ahead and set up all these candidates for success faster? How can we put these candidates that are coming in an extra 10,000? With the current conditions of the economy right now, everyone right now would benefit from having an additional 10,000 a month, yeah. right? So that's all we're thinking about is how can we go ahead and get that job done? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, what do you think your approach the approach should be someone uh, in, order to, in order to get from applying to a job to start making money as a candidate? Like, what, what, what should they look like? So here's the thing. They're all going to look differently. They're, they all, some may lack the experience that you're looking for, and some may have it. But ultimately, everybody wants the same thing, right? You, you want someone that could pick up where you left off, someone who's coachable, someone who is ambition, someone who's a, uh, you know, um, a critical thinker. And those are the soft skills that you look for when it comes to hiring that person. I'll tell you right now, where if companies are still hiring based on experience, which I see that being a, a, a relative issue still going on today, they're going to be missing out on a better talent pool. And another issue that we're seeing across the board is that the older companies that are out there, these mega corporations, enterprise corporations, are having a tough time being able to train the candidates that are coming on because we're technically millennials, right? But the ones behind us are Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. So they're having a tough time training Gen Zs. Where for us, we don't see that as a problem. We see that as an opportunity. And that's the best thing about being an entrepreneur is that every problem becomes an opportunity. Yeah. And that's what when I'm talking about how do we go ahead and get these Gen Zs a job where they can make money. But a lot of the times is you're going to have candidates that are setting themselves up unrealistically. Because as you already know, how long did it take you to build a business to become successful. It takes time where a lot of these people want to circumvent the system. Listen, I'm all for circumventing the system because all I'm thinking about is how can I get from point A to point Z as fast as possible? And that's why I love recruiting because we've been able to, on our end, simplify the process internally that allows us to find the person, do the tedious work as fast as possible, and then be able to place them because we know exactly what we're looking for. So now it becomes how do we do that at a bigger level on a bigger stage and that's where the SaaS comes into play what type of SaaS do you think you're getting into so many uh man options. there are because we listen there's two different there's two ones right now on the table and the two questions that I, i'm going to ask myself is are we going to primarily focus first on b2c or b2b and i personally think 
chances are we're going to go B2C route. And if it is the route that we're going into, then chances are we're going to start off with this one project first, and then we're going to roll into the second one after. So can't give too much details about it because we're still in the phase of building things out. But once it is, then we'll go ahead and get things rolling. That's awesome. So next up, you'll you'll be a, more of a tech-enabled recruitment company? That, that, yeah, a tech-enabled sales, marketing, operations, recruitment company. Yeah. Would you ever, so if you go into the SaaS, would you ever like change your name? Because right now you're Jace Consulting. Uh, Jace Great Consulting. Jace Great Consulting. So. You know, I've thought about that. Um, and if we were, that would be a question for the future. It's so hard for me to say, would we change anything right now when it comes to that? Because the opportunities are endless. I think what will tend to happen is that we want to hit the, the audience with something that they will know, hey, this is what this means. This is what they do. And right now, Jace Great Consulting Recruiting, they know we do consulting and recruiting. Yeah. So could that be a possibility? Most likely. But if they go into like, let's say a program or like they go into like some sort of software, software is not going to be called Jace, Jace Great. No, of listen, right? of course it's not going to be called. But again, opportunities are endless, right? We could yeah. go ahead and start asking ChatGPT, what are some of the names that would sound great for this? But at the end of the day, when that opportunity comes, the name will be the last thing on, on my mind. That's true. Um, I'd really like to ask uh, uh, questions, uh, like this question to, to people. And since we're in the recruiting, hiring, onboarding, like training, you know, type of interview right now, like what would you say have been one, one of the major takeaways or shares that you could give to people right now that they're, and usually don't take into consideration at the moment of recruiting, finding, hiring top talent, you know, getting them to stick with you. Like what, what will be one of the biggest takeaways? Uh, are we talking mostly on the candidate side of telling the candidates, hey, this is how you should do this in order to, mm. or are we talking more on the business side? Let's say a business owner that is just hiring a, an A player in the sales, mm -hmm. sales side. Got it. So the question is, how do we go about making sure they could find their own sales player into their organization? What would be one of the biggest takeaways when hiring? So here's the thing. When it comes to hiring and sales talent, everyone's going to talk a big game. How do you identify one can actually walk the talk? Go back to, you know, to what I said of that three-step interview process and identify those steps. And I promise you, you'll be about 80 to 90% sure in that person and then the last 10 to 15 to 20 percent will be them actually you know going ahead and get started with you and seeing can they actually walk the talk and if you can do not hire one person at a time hire in pairs or in threes mm. threes you've seen that too yeah i've seen it too does it require the same amount of energy it's going to require the same amount of energy, regardless of two all the way to like five anything after five is just going to take a little bit more energy and effort but we've already seen that if you go ahead and hire, whether if, if it's if you're going to hire a salesperson, it's just one salesperson, you're setting yourself up with like, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. So just like we have two legs to walk on, just go ahead and hire in twos or in threes. That's the best course of action I could give anybody. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good mm -hmm. share. Thanks yeah. for being um, part of this interview. Uh, actually, actually, I love the fact that we were able to talk about so many good things about um hiring and recruiting i really i'm really excited to whenever you get this product done 
talk about that. And maybe whenever you start doing the SaaS, but whenever you start a product or whenever you finish up the product, love to like have you in a second interview. I think people will, will you know, would love to see like, what is it that you got going? Cause you have a lot of experience and, you know, to back you up, uh, a lot of sales, a lot of recruiting, building a business, um, and you work with really great candidates. I mean, really great clients so far. So I'm really excited for that, man. Um, looking forward for a second episode here. And um, yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah, appreciate it for you know having me on here. And I definitely look forward to coming back to the second one. I'm actually going to be eager to see where this SaaS product goes. So how can people find you if they were to like talk you, to you? Yeah, so one, you could go to jsgrayconsulting.com and definitely you can find me there. You could also find me on IG, LinkedIn, Facebook, Jace Gray. And that's with two Y's and an E. So uh, if they want to go ahead and reach out to me, that would be the best way to getting in contact with me. All right. So let's repeat that. So we put it here in the, as a banner. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's your Instagram? Uh, Jace Gray. Jace Gray. And that's two E's, right? Uh, G-R-A-Y-Y-E. And the same thing for LinkedIn and Facebook. Jace Gray on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, IG, Facebook, and uh, sooner or later, we're also going to be pushing YouTube as well. Yeah, I heard you just hired a video person. Yeah, pretty excited for that. All right, man. So I'm going to see more your face more. I'm going to be all over it. All right, <laughs> all right man. Thank you so much. And uh, everyone that listened to this episode, it only takes about one minute to give us a review, a five-star. If you give us a four-star, tell us why. But also, if you liked it, just share it away with your Uh, community, your circle, friends, family, whoever thinks, whoever you think is going to get this uh, valuable. All right. Thank you so much.